0: Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars, stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years, and now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country.
1: This week on Inside Today's Country, we catch up with Chase and Jeremy from Rivertown Saints. This band has evolved over the years with new members, and we'll talk about the Evolution of Rivertown Saints. Plus, they've got a brand new single out called Slow Kiss, and we'll find out where the name Rivertown Saints came from.
0: Well, it's because all the guys in the band are from the Ottawa Valley, right? and uh, I think that's all I remember of what they said about it. I don't remember where the river came from. Okay, hey, so that's,
2: that's the PR answer that we give. Do you want to know the real story of where the name came from?
0: All that and more as we go inside
1: today's country with the Rivertown Saints
2: next. Here we go.
0: Welcome to another
1: edition of Inside Today's Country. It is Tim Black, and uh, I love technology because, uh, you know, it brings us all together, and it certainly has brought us together uh, over the last uh, several months now with, uh, you know, the pandemic that we're going through and uh, COVID-19. And from two different locations, it's a couple of guys from Rivertown Saints, Chase and Jeremy. Hi, guys. Hey, are you? uh Jeremy, you're where?
2: I'm in uh, the West End of Ottawa.
1: Okay. Just hanging out?
2: Just hanging out. I uh, I work, you know, in my uh, in my non superhero life. I'm a graphic studio producer, jack of all trades, wears many hats, works at a computer guy. So right. This is uh this is kinda of what I do the nine to five when I'm not traveling across the rock and roll to underprivileged children. So <laughs> um so yeah, you can see behind me I got all the yeah. all the guitars and and stuff in here. So I yeah, this is uh this is what we do in the in the COVID as we, we make we make our money not making music <laughs> well,
0: that's true This, I mean this is kind of the way it's going uh, Chase where are you I am in Iron Pryor right oh. now and uh in Chris's basement Chris is our rhythm guitarist
1: is it a nice basement I mean it looks kind of nice from where you yeah. are there. yeah
0: it's gorgeous yeah
1: just hanging out in the basement yeah. how did it all start let's go let's go back to the beginning
2: kind of a two stage thing obviously Um I mean if you want to go right back uh
1: you you go back as far as you want.
2: Go right back. Um <laughs> it, it's kind of it, it came together really organically. Chris and uh, so Chris and Joe, mm-hmm. Joe's our base our new our new bassist. Uh they played in bands together for years. Mm-hmm. And Jordan and Dan and I all played in uh church bands together and Chris and Jordan played in a band together with Dan. Like we all sort of knew each other through not all together, but each of us had like you know we're friends with different members of each other, and yeah, um, I met Comb because he was um, he was trying to um, do some bar gigs just for some beer money, and Joe couldn't Joe couldn't do one of the gigs, so he said, "I need a guy that uh, can fill in." And Jordan said, "You should talk to my buddy Jeremy; he can play." That's how I met Chris. Um, and then as this was also happening, this time Joe and Chris's band, which was called the Working Class, okay. Um, they had a fair in Ottawa for Jason McCoy and Chris LaBelle All happened to be at that concert and he was trying to get a country thing going and he um, Ran into McComb and said hey uh, Let's let's start a band. I'll be your singer and McComb said no <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, I already have a band But then uh, a couple months later the working class was kind of they you know They were not really sure they were gonna keep going and stuff and so Chris gave Chris McCombie, Chris LaBelle a call. He said, well, why don't we get together and we'll we'll um, see what happens. And they called me just to have a third person in on it. And uh, we you know, did some songs, some demo songs and the harmony sounded good and we had fun. And so we we're like, well, let's let's explore this a little bit. And so um, Chris LaBelle had talked with Ron Kitchener from Open Road potentially in there. And so we needed to round out the band and I said, why don't we get Jordan? who played drums with me at, at church. church. And Jordan said, let's get Dan to play bass. Um, and side note, we actually asked Joe if he wanted to play now. So uh, so Dan ended up joining as a bassist. And that was kind of how it started. And uh, we were all, the, that, that lineup was together for four and a half years. Wow. Um, and then uh, everyone knows Chris LaBelle moved on to pursue uh, you know his solo career a couple of months after that, and then uh, enter Chase. Chase. Who is my cousin who I've known for a couple years and knew he could sing and um, was just one of the guys we called to audition and he ended up being the guy that that you know really killed it so Mm -hmm. we were like we all hung you know we hung out because that was really important it's one thing to just have somebody that can sing Mm -hmm. but it's got to be a person that is a you know a cool person to be around don't Mm -hmm. let this go to your head either (laughs) Kazner. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be somebody who's cool to be around and that can, you know, understands the vibe and everything like that. And then Joe was the logical choice on bass because he'd been friends with us all along. He'd filled in for Dan a couple times when Dan couldn't make practice. He'd right. driven. He'd, he'd driven our bus. We were all good friends with him, and so that was kind of lineup number two. Okay. And that brings us to uh, present day. There you
1: go. Wow, uh, Chase, what do you think about all, all this stuff? Now you're getting involved with this band.
0: Well. The last year has been lots of fun. Uh, unfortunately, just as we started getting our legs back under us, COVID hit when we had a bunch of shows lined up and everything. So, right, I'm still waiting to uh, get the full experience of, let's say, touring
2: and stuff. But, but I'm, I mean,
0: I'm having a blast. So
2: everybody's in that boat, right? So Yeah. I mean, I guess in on the one hand, it's horrible because the whole industry is just on hold. But at the same time it's kind of cool in that nobody is nobody's everybody's following the pace car right now, you know, like, right. Yeah. Nobody's, you're not, you're not missing out on stuff and losing time. We're all just trying to everybody's I think what's going to happen is when things pick up again, we're going to, we're going to have a really great, you know, barrage of music Mm -hmm. because that's all everybody can do right now is work on songs and that kind of stuff behind the scenes. So I think, you know, whenever this, whenever we get to a point where it's safe enough mm-hmm. and it makes sense to start um, having people attend concerts again, I think, I think it's the, the industry is really going to be in a great place.
1: Well, Kissel uh, has started to do these uh, drive-in concerts. I mean, those seem to be kind of the, the yeah. you know, the, the next logical thing that people are trying to do. But I kind of agree with you because the amount of people that I've been talking to over the last, you know, a couple of months, everybody is writing, everybody's producing. So either the back half of the year or early next year is just going to be be a, a plethora of music to be released.
2: Yeah, I mean maybe that's the reality for the next little bit. And then mm-hmm. maybe after that it's it's more intimate concerts where, you know, it's smaller groups and smaller clubs. I mean, there's really no way the festival thing can happen right now until right. Until they know more about how it all works and, you mm-hmm. know, there's a vaccine on the horizon or, mm-hmm. or a treatment that it's just it's too it's too early for it's too early for it to be safe and logical to stick 15,000 people, you know, on top of each other in a sweaty environment. And, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, and, that, and that's the, I mean, as, as, as true as that is, that's kind of the scary thing for, for what you guys do for, you know, the summer months is going to all those festivals and, uh, you know, already they're starting to, I know, look for, for next summer. I mean, several of the festivals have already confirmed several acts for next year, but I mean, we're even still kind of, you know, sitting on the fence if that's gonna actually happen or not.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean we pretty much everything we were booked for this year mm-hmm. um has been we just rebooked for the same events next year.
1: Right. Okay. Now
2: I mean it's like it's what you said exactly. Whether or not those happen will yep. depend on what happens in the next little bit. But mm-hmm. um I mean thank God we're in Canada. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because if there's you know if there's a chance that there is a another festival and touring season for next summer it's it's going to be up here oh yeah 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 um and you know i'd be interested to see how how the government and the arts community is going to handle that Mm -hmm. in canada because i think what you're going to see is a lot of american artists who have had their livelihoods cut in half they're not gonna be able to tour the states so i i I feel like you're going to see a lot of them wanting to come up here Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of these festivals and events are probably going to you know qualify for some sort of government funding to get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like you're not going to be able to take all that money and book Florida, Georgia line with it. Like I feel like right. there has to be an incentive to keep to support the Canadian um, side of the industry once things get going again. So. Mm-hmm because yeah. you know, like you know, all the big festivals typically have an American headliner.
1: Yep, usually one of know. the one of the one or two of the nights have a big have a big name, and then you know the Canadian ones kind of wrap around it, or or they'll have a yeah. a fully Canadian night, and they'll end up with you know one of the the big Canadian names. But uh, I think it's going to be very interesting, and 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 I applaud any any band like yourselves who have been able to keep yourselves busy and doing what you guys are doing. And then to be able to do this show that's, uh, you know, this podcast is going to come out uh, a couple of weeks after that you guys have done your uh, your drive-in show. But I applaud you guys for doing that. I think it's a, a, a great thing and and people need things to do. So if you can give them an opportunity to go and park in their cars uh, safely and, and, and watch a show... I'm good with that. I think that's a great opportunity. Yeah. And it still gets you guys to be out there in the presence. You're not able to, uh, you know, shake people's hands or take photos and stuff like that. But at least it's giving people something to do. And it's giving you guys something to do, goods or something to do as well. So uh, mental health is good.
2: Yeah. I think, I think to not, not to say it like the, the bar will be lower, but I think everybody is going is to know that this isn't going to be a standard concert experience. But mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. also, you know, we've all gotten this far into the summer without seeing a show or doing a show. So I feel like people are just going to be happy to be doing something, you know, exactly. And, uh, and uh, hopefully
1: chase, where did the, uh, the name Rivertown saints come from?
2: Well,
0: yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't around when that came. I know. But, so that's why
1: I'm asking you because I mean, you're the new guy. So I wanted to test to see if you knew this.
0: Well, it's cause all the guys in the band are from the Ottawa Valley. Right. And, uh, I think that's all I remember of what they said about it. I don't remember where the river came from.
2: Okay. So that's, that's the PR answer that we give. Do you want to know the real story of where the name came from? Yes, I do. I used to be able to, I used to get in trouble for saying stuff like this, but I can say what I want now. So yeah, you can Um, No problem. So, uh, yeah. So Rivertown, it's the way about, it's not untrue. Uh, LaBelle, when he was in the band, he grew up in Ottawa, on the Ottawa river, Macomb and Joe were both arm prior boys, Ottawa river. Um, Jordan's out was out in Orleans, Ottawa River. I'm from Osgood, which okay. is south of Ottawa, which is right. on the Rideau River. So we all we all had that. And ah. so we we're like, Rivertown and then Saints, you know, we just thought it it worked. It was kind of like you, you had to have something. We floated a couple other ideas first that was like secondhand Saints and stuff like that. We were just, we were trying to find a name. Right. But where Rivertown came from was uh, we had been nameless for a while and I was bored one night and I was looking around on the internet <laughs> to find one of those websites where you can play like old Nintendo games. Okay. Like an emulator site. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my favorite Nintendo game of all time is River City Ransom.
1: Oh, okay. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: yeah. And so we had, you know, we were floating around something saints, something saints. And I said, what about River City Saints? And so we kind of went with that for a little bit. And then we realized, I I forget how we found out, but apparently there's like a semi-pro soccer team in, you know, St. Louis or something called the River City Saints. And so we went with, and when they were kind of like, you know, country, town. Mm -hmm. So River Town Saints. So yeah, that's where it came from. It was me trying to find Nintendo games online late at night. So (laughs) I've
0: never Uh, heard uh, this story.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, we... it was like exhaustive we we um we like went through weeks of just names and names and there was like there was a couple cool ones like haymaker was one of them that we thought of right which is like a punch but it's also uh, very country mm-hmm. um there was sugar fist which i thought was killer but no one else liked <laughs> dan liked we, we had a bunch of them and actually uh i went on a trip up to northern ontario to mm-hmm. visit my grandma mm-hmm. this is before you were in the band and I made a list of all the little towns you pass on the way because some of them i thought were cool like thornlow yeah that's a good one i thought that was a cool name for a band and uh i forget what the other ones wow the other ones were but yeah we made a bunch of lists of them and then anyways it ended up being river town saints we went out on our first tour though we didn't have a name when we went out with tim hicks yeah technically when we promoted that tour we were still known as la La belle oh really yeah and so we had made up postcards yeah uh that said label on them and they had all our pictures on them and then halfway like on the third date we started giving out the rivertown saints ones that was literally it was that late in the game that we named ourselves
1: so. <laughs> man that's cool uh let's talk uh obviously uh chase you being the the new guy into this um you know uh, and, and you haven't had the experience of, of doing doing the touring yet but what do you look forward to about being part of this
0: band uh every show every time i'm with the guys it's a new experience so i look forward to it every time mm-hmm. it's uh you know it's it's one of the best jobs in the world being able to sing for people and make them feel good you know it's just see them smile and he cu- likes the hugs
1: he likes the hugs yeah no no, no hugging right now That's uh, right, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the uh the country background because i mean do you guys all both all come from country backgrounds or or was it you know how did the country thing start
2: Wow. So I'd say Chase is probably the most like authentically country guy out of all of us.
0: Yeah. And, why, the book. and why is that? Um, well, I just live, I I lived in a small town pretty much my whole life. And uh, I hunt fish and you know, I wear cam all the time <laughs> when I'm down there. So like, <laughs> it's that, it's that type of vibe. So.
2: Okay. Well, and cause like you, it's legit what you grew up listening to yeah. all the time. Like, Joe, I mean, Joe, Chris, and I all grew up in small towns. Like, I'm from a yeah. town of 1,200 people that right. has, you know, one one blinking red light is the closest thing we had to a stop sign. A do, stop you have, so do,
1: do you actually have a paved intersection?
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, it's paved. Oh, oh good. But, like, when you say it. intersection, there's really, like, there's really only <laughs> one intersection and then it's, like, and then it's a bunch of houses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I get um, it. And so... But I was never a country guy growing up. I, lit, I, I was always a rock guy and I played in punk bands and stuff like that. And I was, I was always more into that scene, but I worked at a gas station when I was 16 and all they ever played at this place was country at the time was Y one Oh five. Right. Um, before it was one Oh one. And so I, I kind of like, you couldn't grow up in Osgood and not be part of mm-hmm. country music to some degree. And then obviously arm prior is a, even though Joe and Chris also grew up playing in rock bands, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they were sort of it is a rural community and they sort of were the same thing. And then later on, they actually formed the working class was a country band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as we all got older and we were less angry at our parents, um, <laughs> you know, our, our taste in music changed into um, I think we all started to appreciate the storytelling aspect that country used to have mm-hmm. to it. I mean, not as much anymore, but, you know, there was a time there where it was really, and even, even into the like later new country stuff, the Garth Brooks and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, it was very much storytelling oriented. Mm -hmm. And you had these really well-written songs that um, were smart and funny and, and endearing and clever. And I think that was as musicians and artists, that was really attractive to all of us and it just became a natural evolution.
1: Who are the artists that you guys looked up to when you were
2: first, you know, getting
1: your, your feet wet?
2: in RTS yeah I mean old dominion is I know that's sort of a newer thing Mm -hmm. I I guess we all kind of agree on the classics like and when I say classics I'm not talking like Willie Nelson right that's before but I mean like we all we all love Alan Jackson and Garth Brooks and Mm -hmm. all all the the good like 90s country that's just charming enough to be cheesy now but still awesome Mm -hmm. um and so I think everybody was kind of into that but I think around the time we started the band, and it was like, well, what what do we want our sound to be? Because uh, none of us were like belt buckled, ten gallon hat guys. No, um, you know. Although Chris uh, Macomb still wears cowboy boots occasionally, so <laughs> he,
0: he lives on a farm. Well, he lived on a farm.
2: Yeah, so, so he he's got that. But uh, no, I think we we kind of liked the idea of sort of the rock country edge of it, and um, not so much the Florida Georgia line mm-hmm. bro thing, which. Right. I will tell you, I love a lot of their songs. I know there's like people you get people who are all opinionated about that, but I, I think they're great. But that was never what we wanted to do. It was kind of the old Dominion thing. It was just smart writing, uh, with a bit of a rock edge, but also also poppy and accessible. And I think that was kind of yeah, something we all really wanted to do.
1: We're hanging out with Chase and Jeremy on Inside Today's Country from Rivertown Saints. You guys have a new single out. Let's talk about that. Okay.
0: So, "Slow Kiss" was the first song that we ever wrote together as a band. Uh, we wrote that song with Dave Thompson on a writing trip in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It was my first writing trip ever. Um, actually, "Slow Kiss" is the first song I ever
2: wrote. So, really? Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, it was special. Yeah, and, it was. So and like so, Dave, Dave. Yeah, Dave you know anybody that's like familiar with the country scene will have seen his name pop up all over the place because just a very prolific writer and producer and we we had worked with him on um little bit goes a long way mm-hmm. bonfire mm-hmm. woke up like this mm-hmm. uh those were all songs that we uh, that he produced and you know was a co-writer on some of them and stuff right so very natural very very easy guy to get along with so it was kind of when we brought chase down for that first writing trip, because writing when you, when you haven't written before, and I remember like five, six years ago when I, when I hadn't written in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's intimidating because you go and sit with these people who have plaques on their walls and they're so good at it. They, they just open their mouths and spit stuff out and you're like, I could never come up with that. And so, and they're just, you know, they all know that, the, that there's, there's an element of volume will bring quality. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you just keep pumping ideas out. And so it's very intimidating if you haven't done it before, especially if you're, you know, most people I think tend to sit there and be like, "What do I want to say?" and they're mm-hmm. trying to find the rhyme and the line and everything. And these Nashville guys are just like, "Boom, boom, boom," yeah. and then they're like, "No, that's not it." And you're like, "But that sounded great." And then they're like, "But I have this, and it's better." <laughs> and so, Dwayne was just a really good sort of introductory experience for, uh, for Chase. And I mean, and we're good friends with the guy and have been for years. So we we always, I mean, every time we go to Nashville, we make sure we write with him. And, right. Some of our other songs that haven't come out yet, we've written with him that that we love. So, yeah. Yeah. so Chase,
1: when you got down there, were you were you like mm-hmm. nervous, like just going, you know, almost shot, or what was the experience like for you?
0: Um, well, I'm I'm pretty lucky in that sense. I don't usually get nervous because uh, it can either go one way or the other; it can go bad or good. So, right, like, right, it's uh, I went down there and I hopped in the room mm-hmm. and. I just, I just did really what they told me, like sing this. So I sang it and I just give my two cents on it and mm-hmm. everybody else would go at it. And it was just, it was uh it was actually a pretty easy process from what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. The
2: next couple of rights were a little bit. Different. I think you were just quiet at first, which, which is normal when you're trying to like figure out, um, you know, where, where you can contribute. And I, I think everyone goes through that. It's just, your first time you write, you do a lot of this. Yeah, That's good. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you know? and, so, and then you, you know, you, and then it's, it's really hard to that first time you have an idea yeah, because yeah. those guys down there, there's no, there's no egos in the room or anything like that. And they, they'll, they'll expect you to tell them when they have a bad idea mm-hmm. and so they don't hold back. So it's like, you know, you're coming up with a line and you're like, what about this? And then the, someone's like, no. And you like, and it's, you know, if, if you're the it's wrong like opponent, a deflated, <laughs> yeah if you're the wrong kind of person you're like oh okay I'm never going to speak again but um, I don't I mean none of us none of us are really like that and I think just when we started the song uh, Slow Kiss was a bit of a it was a bit of a took a little bit of time for us to find the groove on what we were going to write about and, okay. and sort of the, the direction. Well that's where I was going
1: to ask is is where's the story behind this song then?
2: It all started I'll tell you it started from literally we were sitting around Dwayne's loft um, <laughs> and uh you know we have our guitars out and his dogs are there it was like noon we had i think we went out and got we, for lunch yeah we went and got flow yeah, and back. got some coffees and so we we're just like just kind of just everybody's chilling it's a good vibe and we were just sitting around and i was just playing this uh and we were kind of like that's got this like 90s rock yeah it
1: it, it it like the the whole thing sounds so familiar
2: yeah exactly right? i mean i'm sure that's in a million songs and right so, but it's
1: just it there's something there
2: yeah and so we, we kind of were like well let's you know let's not go honky-tonk on this and let's not go rock and roll let's let's try to capitalize on that sort of i i, I keep saying like mid-90s early 2000s gin blossoms matchbox mm. 20 yeah, yeah, yeah just that that really melodic sort of kind of pop rock thing. And then so it just went from having that into throwing the behind it. And then we were kinda of like, well, what's this song gonna be about? And um and I think slow kiss was actually the first thing that we came up with. And so we just started going the
0: slow kiss nah, nah, nah.
2: and uh and then it just wrote itself from there. And, you know, we, 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 it's always, the second verse always sucks. You're, you always, yeah. <laughs> you always it's always easy to come yeah, up with the first verse.
1: I didn't know that. Okay.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Second verse is the worst. That's where songs die. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cause you come up with a chorus. And right. You're like, ah, oh, this is great. This is catchy. And then you're kind of like, okay, where does the song need to go? And then what gets hard is you figure out where it needs to go and you write the first verse. Mm-hmm. And you, t- you tend to want to tell the whole song in the first verse. Okay. Yeah. So you get to the second verse and you're like, okay, what happened after the first verse? And you have to, you have to make time for it. So um, I think we floated back and forth a little bit like that. The bridge, we came, like the bridge wrote itself. And I think I think I just started playing chords and we had it. And then, right. yeah, I mean, maybe three, four hours to write that whole tune. That's really cool. And then really we demoed cool. it with uh, Chase's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dwayne put some music ideas down and sent them to me and I recorded some guitar stuff and some other stuff and sent it back to him and Chris and I threw harmonies on it and we are and then we had a demo and we were like and and the song didn't change a ton from that demo mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all the guts of it were there and then obviously when we recorded it we worked with Jeff Dalziel who we'd worked with for You Get To Me mm-hmm. Um and Jeff's just like this super talented, nicest dude. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never worked with anybody who makes you feel more confident and at ease during the process. Right. And so, yeah, working with him, um, you know, and he said like the melody's all there, Mm -hmm. we just got to think rethink some of the music to simplify it a little bit. And Mm -hmm. You know, so that song, when you think about it, that song was really uh, we wrote it in four hours. And then we jammed on it for months mm-hmm. and then we recorded it for real, you know, maybe eight or nine months after we wrote it. And it mm-hmm. didn't change a ton in that time. So
1: that's wild. What's it like hearing your song on the radio?
0: It's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's a, it's a different feeling for me. It was The first time it was kind of surreal. I didn't really feel anything. I was like, Oh yeah, I've heard this before. <laughs> and, then, and then the next time I was like, Holy crap, they're actually playing it. You know, like it was, it was nice.
2: Yeah, Macomb was telling the story the other day because it's, um, it's this sort of. We were driving across Canada on our radio. Actually, we might have.
1: You guys stopped here and visited me
2: once. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it would have been twenty. It would have been like November twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we were in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. We were staying at the hotel by the airport. Mm-hmm. A hotel by the airport, and we had heard our song for the first time that morning driving from uh I wanna say Regina.
1: Okay. Well you were have coming you would have coming from Regina to Winnipeg then.
2: Yeah. We were yeah. heading east because yeah. we flew out to Vancouver first to start. And that was the first time we heard our song on the radio. And it was like six AM um we knew that it was going to get someone they told us they were going to start playing at this time and so we listened to it and we're like that was kind of the first time we heard it we went and did our our, so maybe it was the day before but we went and did our stuff in winnipeg and and manitoba and then macomb and i went to the hotel bar that night we're like well we should celebrate (laughs) we got a song on the radio that's right uh, so Labelle had already gone to bed and it was just him and i he Labelle didn't really drink it doesn't really drink anyway so we're like well let's be let's be ballers so we went to this you know semi swanky hotel bar and
1: mm-hmm.
2: we each ordered a a double of 15 year old scotch right on and then we each got a bill for like 38 dollars <laughs> and we we're like well that's the end of celebrating there. But, uh, but it was cool it was cool and like i i will remember that forever as the first time i heard it on the radio and it i don't know it never stops being cool mm-hmm. uh i don't listen to the radio a ton now but mm-hmm. Um, I'll get texts from people all the time. They're like, I just heard Jerry yeah. bomb or I just heard slow kiss or yeah. something like that. And it's always cool to think that something you did still affects people. Uh, yeah. exists yeah. out there in a, in a way that is accessible to other people willingly.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How's the, digi-
1: how's the digital world affected you guys?
0: Um, it's, it's different. It's, it's kind of still new to all of us to
2: get that. How cool How because- so? Like anybody can make music and get it out there for anyone else now, Mm -hmm. you know, like my first, my first band, I was 15 years old. Right. So we're going, we're going back many years. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you know, we recorded songs and then you had to save like a couple thousand dollars to get cassettes and CDs. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember, you know, record runner on Rideau Street in Ottawa agreeing to carry 10 of them. Mm hmm. And you'd go in there two weeks later and found out you'd sold one and you're like, sweet, somebody <laughs> in Ottawa somebody bought it. Has it, you know? And it was kind of like that was the best you could do to get music out there. And maybe you got on some college radio, but there's no real exposure. Now yeah. you spend 150 bucks and your stuff is on Spotify and anyone in the world right. can hear it. Now, yeah, do they discover it? There's a whole other issue mm-hmm. and there's you know, strategies and all that stuff with that. So I think it's it's really been a blessing and a curse because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. new music from new artists is never been more accessible than it is now mm-hmm. but it's also never been as saturated an environment as it is now so
1: it's a good way of looking at it
2: yeah so I mean you, you have all the opera you have all the opportunity that anyone's ever had mm-hmm. and at the same time you have to be that much better than everyone else because the cream always rises to the top mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot more coffee in the cup now.
1: <laughs> the the <laughs> cup has become a large, like a, a vente.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a, it's a cauldron of coffee. Exactly. And, so, um, yeah,
0: and like I've seen too on Spotify, people like people that have never even played shows before mm-hmm. and don't even know really what the music industry is about. They just made a couple of songs and they've got two million streams on each of them, right? And right. Yeah. It's just because it's just the algorithm they got in it at the right time, I guess. And mm-hmm. so it's
2: just, it's hard to figure that stuff out mm-hmm. right now. It's mm-hmm. kind of a learning experience. I feel like we're lucky in the sense that with Spotify and Apple music and all that stuff and how, how deep down you can see the metrics of your music. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's really made it so that it benefits the music listener and mm-hmm. how a band can, can relate to them. Cause like we can look at our, we can look at our Spotify numbers and see that our, you know, the primarily our listeners are, from these areas and these ages and these gender sure, and these genders and stuff like that. And it just allows us to know that and mm. make, you know, obviously we want to make the music that is exciting to us, but knowing that our fan base is primarily this age range and this mm. gender, well, now we can write music that we know is also going to be more appealing to them. Right. And, you know, I know, I know that sounds like a super corporate answer and the answer I'm supposed to give you is we just write the music we're passionate about. And, like, we <laughs> no, I, no,
1: I I, I, I mean, I, I like the honesty answer because I mean, it's, it's very, very true. And I mean, you can kind of see that when you go to your shows now too, because I mean, you think about it, everybody's, you know, either listening to it on, on some kind of a digital platform and those are where your fan, your fan bases yep. are growing from. Right. So yeah. it's not a bad thing because, you yeah. know, you know who you're now, you know who you're directing your music at.
2: Yeah. And nobody, nobody is making top 40 country. You know, with under the under the guise of like, mm-hmm. I just make my music, man. I don't care if anyone listens to it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you And do. like, and you you know want to make stuff that people like. Mm-hmm. Like you want to make music that people enjoy and music that lasts. And I think, the Spotify age has given us sort of uh, really unique insights in how into how to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Like I said, the downside is no one makes any money off of music. Anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally different. And there's a lot of people who have talked to the fact that, you know, back in the day now, I mean, I'm a lot older when you used to go and pick up records and you'd look at the liner notes inside and and you would, uh, you know, people would spend a lot of time on artwork and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've we've lost that in in the digital world, but on the on the flip side, it's so much more accessible.
2: Yeah, we we uh, we toured with Tim Hicks in january of 2017 mm-hmm. and uh we jordan's jordan's wife was having a baby and so he couldn't come on the tour it was just five dates and so we hired our buddy andrew to fill in on drums and andrew uh is a bit older than the rest of us he was in the band artificial joy club okay back in the day rock mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. had like a major deal with i think it was island or De- one of them anyways and he was telling me he was like the budget the art budget For like our first album was you know almost six figures oh wow and I was just kind of like that's you know that's like (laughs) five times the budget for our entire career (laughs) at this point I was just like not only is like not only do you not spend that on art anymore you wouldn't spend that on recording the album no you wouldn't spend that on the entire marketing push for it so it's just changed so much. That's wild. Let's yeah. talk
1: a, bit, a little bit about when you guys are uh, out touring. This is kind of the uh, the fun things that I like to ask bands. Uh, number one, what's your pre-show ritual? Warm up. Yeah. Me. Well, I mean, we there's there's me. very interesting ones that have come out. So I'm curious to see what you guys do White. prior to work, prior to going on stage.
2: I know the Barker guys do the chicken thing. Yep. Um, I don't know. One thing that we, that we, what tradition we always had was depending on what the show was, mm-hmm. I would always take five solo cups for everybody's beers they were going to bring on stage mm-hmm. and I would give them nicknames according <laughs> to the show we were playing. Okay. So like, you know, uh, we, when we played out in, um, whenever we play in like Cavendish, I would always like, okay. you know, name people after potatoes or like, so that was kind of one that, that, um, Kind of stuck around, but we haven't had a chance to really build a uh, one with with Joe and Chase because right. we've only done a handful of shows since they mm-hmm. joined, and then COVID happened. You know exactly.
1: Yeah, nasty COVID. You're you're screwing things up.
0: One uh, of our
2: shows, though, we had the the cups. There. Yeah, I did. I did the cups. And uh, <laughs> there's been some there's been some good ones. It's always funny when people like <clears throat> don't get it, and then the band gets a bunch of messages, and they're like, "Why did you call Macomb this?" And I'll be like. <laughs> Like where we were playing. Like so, where, yeah.
1: That's very cool. Uh, Chase, you're new into this, but what advice, uh, you know, there's a lot of young talent, a lot of great young Canadian talent that is coming up now. Advice that you would get, uh, pass on to those, those talent that are coming up behind you?
0: Um, It'd probably be don't give up because like your time will come if you work hard. Mm-hmm. It will, you know, but uh, yeah, just don't give up there's so much music right now. It will take a, it will take time for people to find yours, but they will find it.
2: Yeah. That's I, good I advice. Would, I would agree with that. And also like, just to sort of extend that is like your career is only one song away from changing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, That's for great. the better and the worse, but mm-hmm. mostly for the better, you know, like you have one, like Bonfire going to number nine. Mm-hmm. That did amazing things for us mm-hmm. that opened so many doors and so it's just you're, you're literally and if it's not the song it might be the next one and mm-hmm. so that you know that whole idea of not giving up if you just keep putting out good music mm-hmm. you know you'll have a song that will do something for you and uh, and then it's snowball it always snowballs from there.
1: You guys are an amazing little band. I got to tell you, I'm uh, very honored to be able to speak with you guys today Uh, and uh, such great advice and uh, such a great outlook, you you know, that you guys are putting out right now for, even though you're, you know, not doing shows, I I like the positivity you guys are putting
2: out. Something we've always kind of like said in, it's come up a couple of times in interviews was just, you know, we, we, we make money to get to travel around Hang out with you know, essentially we're all really good friends. Hang out with each other, right? um, Drink a lot of free beer, (laughs) and play music (laughs) that makes people happy, that contributes to their lives. And it's kind of like, if you can't step back Mm -hmm. and and look at that and say, even when it sucks, it's still pretty awesome, Mm -hmm. then I think you've missed the whole point of it. And I mean, we all know there's some artists out there that just take themselves so seriously and at the end of the day I'm like you know we're making music for people
1: mm-hmm.
2: we're not we're not developing vaccines right <laughs> and, and like and that's not to demean no, the talent not at all no I it. get yeah I get where you're but going it's just it's just like at the end of the day you have to look back and be like I go on stage for 75 90 minutes whatever it is mm-hmm. and I have a good time right hanging it with my buddies right and the people there have a good time and it's just like if you can't look at that and that. yeah and just and just be have so much gratitude that you get to be one of the few people that is in a position to do that then like you're, you're doing it wrong because you like you can't do it for the money right because it's such a gamble and you know it's it's not no one's no one's a millionaire in canada from playing music very mm-hmm. very few people and so you can't be in it for that you will be so disappointed and you'll burn out and so it's just you have to have that outlook is just, if you, if you aren't doing it cause you just love playing music and, and doing something that makes other people happy, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're going to be miserable. And I think none of us have ever been to that place. We're always just kind like, of like, the they were like, man, that was sweet. We're all stoked to like get in the bus and drive together for eight hours because it's just going to be laughs. And then we're going to get there and play music and that's going to be fun. And
1: Nice. That's yeah. cool. Uh, One Canadian snack, the number one Canadian snack that you guys have on the bus. What is it?
2: I guess beer is is beer is not not a snack no. <laughs> um, I mean, it could
1: it could be, i mean if it was a guinness or something that's more of a meal <laughs>
2: yeah yeah hey look at that eh yeah, there you go see, hey there yeah. um i would say chips i we'll probably have yeah chips. I was not it like miss vicky's salt and vinegar that's oh, like, my there you go thing. that's my go to that's canadian right yeah. miss vicky's um, lays
1: lays yeah i'm not is, i don't know. We see do now a lot you're of te- now news. you're testing my skill i don't know i can't
2: remember yeah, I feel like Miss Vicky's is Canadian. I think they are, but uh, we're, we're gonna. Yeah, if they're like, not, we're gonna make them. And then fast fast food breakfasts, like yeah, yeah. yeah, we do so many McDonald's <laughs> on the road. It's it's unhealthy.
0: Uh, guys, where can we find you online? Uh, Rivertownsaints.com is our uh, website, mm-hmm. and we uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Play
2: all those platforms. So yep, uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook are all just at Rivertown saints. Yep.
1: Excellent. Jeremy chase. Thanks for hanging out with us on uh, inside today's country, all the best with the new single. And we look forward to seeing you guys uh, out of the road after all of this is over with. And uh, we hope we get to swing by and uh, you're more than welcome to drop by the studio here and uh, hang out with us.
2: Well, thanks. I know, I know it's in the plans, um, you know, probably, probably into 2021 now, but we want to, we want to find a way to, um, Get out and get across Canada again and get into everywhere we can and just have people meet some of the new guys in the band and uh, and just reconnect with a lot of the people in radio who we haven't seen in a couple of years. So well uh, yeah, we'll definitely be stopping in to say hi. I like that. Thanks for hanging out, guys.
0: Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This has been a Tim Black on Air.com production.